You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hey, messes, Lee here. If you're missing big kids, good news. We've got a new show for you. It's called Help, I Have a Teenager, and it's hosted by two experts, Dr. Ginny Mansberg and clinical psychologist Joe Lamble. Every week, they'll answer two of your listener questions and they have the best advice. I'm dropping in a sneak peek now, but if you like what you hear, head over to Help, I Have a Teenager, wherever you get your podcasts. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Help, I Have a Teenager, the podcast that's here to answer all your questions about the new teen age. My name is Jo Lamble. I'm a mum of two adult children, a clinical psychologist and an author. And my name is Dr Ginny Mansberg. I'm a GP, author and mum with six kids in a blended family. Today on the show, we're talking about one question. That's a pretty big one. Hi, Jo and Ginny. I'm the mum of two girls and one boy. My girls were approaching their teenage years and I want to teach them to be confident in who they are and what they do. But I've got to be honest, I just want them to be safe. And the world right now for young women, it just doesn't feel very safe. So how do I teach them to be confident and safe? And then what about my son? He's only four, but he needs to learn about consent as well. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, Joe, this is a huge one. Uh, we're going to unpack this really, really slowly. But let's start at the beginning because we all want our girls to be safe. Uh, and it obviously doesn't start when they turn 17. But what do we do? What are your top tips for parents who are looking at their beautiful little 11 and 12-year-old girls and thinking, I want to just keep you here forever. Can you just keep singing high school musical? Can you still love Frozen forever? <laughs> yeah. And we also don't want to scare them, do we? That's we don't it. want to say, hey, listen, it's really scary and dangerous out there, so we need to have some serious conversations to keep you safe. And so that's why you want the conversations to just be ongoing. You know, you want it to evolve slowly. And often the first time it comes up may be when your daughter comes out dressed in something that you think, mm, not loving that outfit not loving that. But you don't want her to feel really self-conscious. And you certainly don't want her to think that if she goes out wearing the wrong thing, then that is okay for anyone to harm her. So it's a really tricky conversation to have. And that's why you need to involve all of those topics when you're talking to her. When you're saying, again, you can quite openly say, as your mum, not loving that outfit, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? Because if you make it too big a deal and say, right, nope, go upstairs, get changed, you're not wearing that, then often they just go, cool, they put something else that's on underneath or in the bag and off they go, quite happily wearing it. I've done that yeah, exactly. many times. I, exactly. I actually even remember the trees where I used to stash my uh, other outfit in the neighbour's garden. There you go. Quite normal. So again, if you involve her in that conversation and get the buy-in, and again, often the way they dress is exactly like their friends are dressing because as we've said many times, that's their greatest influence, how their peers are dressing. And so that's when I often think, if you talk about my top tip, it's teach your children to watch out for their friends. And right. so, you know, teach them to say, what do you think? Is everybody feeling okay? Is everybody feeling safe? Are you worried about any of your friends? Are you worried about what any of your friends are wearing? Or And so then you can often slip in these messages for your own child via their compassion for their friends. This works in so many different angles. Later when you can say, you know, worried about any of your friends drinking behaviour or drug taking or hookups or anything like that. And it's amazing. The main thing they hear is, wow, isn't that lovely that you care about my friends? 
And then you're teaching them, yes, and your job as a good friend is to help look out for him or her. And your job is if you don't think that that friend's making great decisions, you know, step in. Step in and do something, even if they're kicking and screaming. Say, no, no, leave me alone. Just say, no, I'm your friend and I'm going to look after you. And at the same time, you're teaching her or him how to be safe. So the first time they get invited to a party that's now at night, they're not in the day anymore, and there might be people from the other sex there or from one of the other sexes or one of the other genders there, what is the best conversation to have and when is the right age to let them go? Again, as usual, totally depends on your child. It's amazing how many parents will say, I'm so worried, my child's not interested in socialising at all, what's wrong with them? You know, And you're thinking, oh, well, that's lucky, that's good, late as possible because then your stress level will stay down. But as parents, we feel stressed no matter what. So it depends on your child. If your child is itching to go to parties and be invited or to have them, you want to go with them. You want to say, okay, I can hear that. That's what you're interested in and ask them, what do you love about it? What do you love about that? I was always scared of having mixed parties at my place. I just didn't want to have to police the water bottles coming in. I didn't want to have to worry about what was happening in every room. But I also was not going to leave these kids unsupervised either because I feel like I'm in loco parentis for these other kids. I didn't feel really comfortable that if anything happened on my watch, that would kind of be a bit on me. What's your advice for parents whose kids do want to have a party? Yeah, well, I was definitely like you too, Ginny. I'm just too anxious for that. <laughs> I just, you know, no, 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 no 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. I did have, my daughter had an 18th. My son had 18th actually, just guys who came over and one kid broke their arm. And when I rang a parent to say, you know, hey, your kid's bringing their arm, I'd never met this child and there were only, you know, a couple of dozen people there and the parent didn't know he was there either and, it, I mean, it was all just a debacle. That's just a little flashback that's come into my head. So no wonder I'm stressed about it. No, I don't, I don't like that either. But if you're comfortable with it and you are going to have a gathering, as they're called now, then, yeah, you want to set out the rules. Gather. The gather, exactly. Or the gath. You know, it changes every time, doesn't it? Anyway, so you think you want to set out the rules to your child and say, okay, this is what's going to happen and, sorry, I am going to check bags and we are just going to close it down if it gets out of hand and I want a list of how many people and what their names are and we're going to check all that. Sorry, may sound dull. A lot of kids will then say, I don't want it then. Mm -hmm. I don't want the party if you're going to be that strict. And Okay, cool. Then don't have one. Yep, that works. Or you can have some friends over and we'll go to the movies. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But if they are going somewhere else, again, you want to be able to say, okay, I want to know where you're going and be prepared that the gather will probably or maybe shut down and you'll be called to pick up. So stay under the limit so you can pick them up. Yeah, that's actually a super good tip. Joe. let's talk about the party that's coming up on Friday night or the gath or the gather. And you know your daughter's got a bit of a crush. He's going to be there. It's probably going to be alcohol there. It's not what we want, but it's probably going to be there and might prefer that she says, no, mum, I don't want to go. I'd rather sit home and read a book, but let's be real. (laughs) It's not going to happen. What is the conversation we can have with our daughter for how this can look? And I just have to say the idea of just going, if you say, yes, I consent to kissing, that doesn't mean he's got to get a separate consent before he puts his hand up your bra. I don't know that we are the people that they want to have that conversation (laughs) with. But anyway, how do we do it? I think not embarrassing them, not awkward. You know your child, you know their, their, hopefully their crush, and you're saying, what are you hoping for tonight? What are you hoping for? What are you hoping doesn't happen? What are you preparing for? And 
what are you going to do if your gut tells you you're not comfortable, but you feel like it's going too far, you know, and you can't now say no because you're going to look really bad. You're then going to be told you're a prick tease or, you you know, you're going to be humiliated. So you go along with it. What are you going to do then? So you, you're trying to, again, not scare her, but just try and paint a scenario that we can all relate to that you can say, look, sometimes, you know, even, yes, if we can completely intoxicated and not capable of that, but that's further on. We're talking about often there is that moment where your gut is telling you, am I comfortable with this? And even though I really like this person and I love that they're giving me all this attention and affection, are you comfortable? And it is okay to say, yes, I am comfortable, but hold on, now I'm not. Now I'm not. And you say, it is still okay at that moment to say no and actually have that detailed a conversation with her or him because otherwise they might not think, they don't know that that's what might happen. Sometimes it's easier to have the conversation about their friend Mary. So when Mary gets into the situation with Jack, what's happened? What should she have done to get out of it? Poor thing. What must she have been thinking at that time? You know, I guess when he told her to get on her knees and pulled his pants down, what options did she have? What advice would you give her? Great. Because then you're sort of drawing on their compassion for their friends. It's depersonalised. It's never about them. It's not about the guy they're going to go see tonight. I also think that with the five Cs, remembering the last one, which is competence, here's a bit of knowledge that could help. So while the kids think that having an extra few shots of vodka will make the party better and it will make the whole social lubrication much better, we know from multiple studies that the more alcohol is on board, the more likely they are to have non-consensual sex, to be the victims of sexual violence, for things to go out of control, for there to be no birth control, for there to be pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections acquired that's not you having a value judgment on your kids. That's just studies and science and facts. And you can depersonalize it. This is not about you. I'm just saying about for your friends who think that they should just be having an extra three shots of vodka. I would say science says no. Science says three less shots of vodka is probably the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're really, you've got this crush and they're going to be there, you know, wouldn't it be good to not have those three extra shots of vodka so you can keep your wits about you and just really know that point where that you know whether you're consenting, know if you're comfortable. So, so we're just, just framing this in advice for Mary, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Joe, one of the worst nightmares I think for every parent of girls or boys is that their child will be the victim of a sexual assault. So let's talk about that because I think, I don't know whether it's worse to hear it on the night or six months later or hear via a friend that it's happened to your child on the grapevine, but what are your top tips for a parent hearing something that horrible about the most precious thing in their world? Exactly. When you are wanting to vomit and, you know, just absolutely dying a thousand deaths is that your child needs to hear that you are so pleased that you now know because you don't want them going through that alone and you are there for them no matter what and you believe them. Yeah, that's super important, isn't it? That whole I believe you is super important for the kids to hear that from you. That's right. And you might be having all these questions in your head about, you know, because you don't want it to be true. So right, you don't want right. to believe it first because how horrific, but your child needs to hear that you believe them. And you might have all these questions, well, what were you doing? And again, Nothing, just sip it. And you want to say to them, listen, let's take this as slowly as you want. 
let's not rush this. You don't have to tell me everything right now because they might just have, again, just sent you a message or some way of telling you, which is showing you they're not ready to have the full conversation. And there can be this temptation as the parent to go back to the way they were when they were little and to take over. Right, we're going to the doctor, we're going to the police, I'm going to the boy's mother, I'm going to go to the person whose house it was, where it happened, I'm going to, I'm going to. And I think it's really important to remember it's not about you right now, it's about your child. And as much as you might have really strong ideas about what should happen, it's got to be driven by her and you've got to be in the support role rather than taking over. Because in some ways, sexual violence is a violent offence and it's disempowering for your child and you do not want to perpetuate that feeling of disempowerment for your child even further. You've got to help build their confidence up that they've got this and you're going to help them get what they want out of this situation. Yeah, give them some control, give them the agency back that was taken from them at that moment. But we can totally understand why as a parent, you just want to fix it and, you know, make it right. But this is going to be a long-term effect. I think for a lot of parents, get some support yourself. Yes. I think, I mean, reachout.com is a wonderful resource where parents can go and talk in a very beautifully moderated setting where they can talk to other parents or go and see your GP or a clinical psychologist to just get that support because you're trying to carry, you know, your child's emotions, but you're going to be flooded yourself with, you know, as you say, your worst nightmare. And the great thing about going to a GP or a psychologist is that you know they won't ever break your confidence because it's really important, unfortunately, that even though you might want to tell your bestie or confide in your sister or your mother that it's not your story to tell and unfortunately you can't break your child's trust. And so it's important to ask them, you know, who have you told? Who do you want me to tell? Because sometimes they want you to tell. Can you please tell you know, dad, or can you please tell, you know, siblings or extended family because they don't want to do it. And so that's fine. And then other times they can say, definitely do not tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know. And you're quite right. You know, you're thinking, oh gosh, I really want to tell somebody to support me, but that's where the professionals come in. We do need to talk about boys though, Joe, because I think well, certainly we were aware of it before, but since we've got Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame and Chanel Contos, we really know that it's about not only talking to our girls about avoiding rape and what to do after a sexual assault has happened, but there's a lot that is on the boys. And we're saying boys advisedly because statistically it is more likely to be sexual violence perpetrated by a boy on a girl, but that's not always the case and it certainly can be the opposite way around. But how do we teach our children never to get into the situation where they could be accused of doing the wrong thing because they've done the wrong thing? So how do we deal with that? Yeah. I've spoken to so many late adolescents and early adult males who have heard Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and Chanel Contos talk and they're horrified and they're also fearful. Because they're thinking back and thinking, wow, was that consensual? You know, because they're wondering and that's good that they're wondering. And so if that's good for that age group, but again, the younger, the better. And that's why it's important that 
all our conversations are evolving. You know, I think we're all very good now on teaching them about how their bodies change and about what sex is and where babies come from. And then we're very keen on talking about not getting pregnant and not getting a sexually transmitted disease. But a lot of this has to be added in as early as possible, talking about what consent is. And for those boys, really understanding what it is. And again, I use this same tool again, talk to them about watching out for their mates. Are they seeing a mate cross the line? Right. You know, they need to step in and say, hey, that's not okay. He or she is not in a position to give you consent right now with what you're doing. Or no, I don't think you should be going home with that person because you're not in the state or either is he or she. So I think, again, I've found definitely with my kids and I've spoken to so many parents about this, if you can keep teaching them how to look after their mates, you're sending the same message that they've got to look after themselves as well. Such great advice, but we've got to be careful that we're not accidentally saying things that perpetuate the idea that girls who dress in a particular Mm. way or behave in a particular way or drink in a certain way have it coming to them. And we can accidentally say things that from a very early age make these kids, our kids, think that misogyny is okay. So we've just got to be careful not to comment on the way a girl dresses or that her skirt is too short, that, you know, that's slutty. We can't slut shame girls in any way, in any conversation, even to kids as young as eight or nine. It's just really, really important. Also, people are allowed to get drunk, you know, while we don't encourage it for 15 and 16 year olds or a whole lot of bad things that happen to their bodies. Getting drunk is about her and her behaviour, but it does not give anybody else carte blanche to her body. And we've got to make sure that we're signalling this from a really early age to our kids. Yeah, and that's the beauty of all this work that these trailblazers have started, that we can now have a clear conversation around consent that is, as you say, not slut-shaming, not blaming anyone on what state they're in, but just to say, yes, what is you need to hear yes several times. And I think that's really important if you can start that just from, you know, when they might be just kissing or doing something slight and start talking to boys and girls as young as possible. Joe, I'm not sure whether this is a worse nightmare than finding out that your daughter has been the victim of a sexual assault or your child has been the victim of a sexual assault, but finding out that your child has been a perpetrator of sexual assault. So that phone call from some girl that you don't know, her dad, saying, we need to talk about your son. Tell us besides breathing and try not to cry too loudly, what do we do? And again, it's just like I was saying earlier, you don't want it to be true. So everything is screaming, no, no, they're lying, it's not true. And again, your child might be saying it's not true or they might be admitting that it was true or they might be blaming or taking some of the responsibility. So again, you want to do two things. You, of course, need to have compassion for your son, compassion for the victim. You know, again, the five C's, you just want to just be lathering this whole series of conversation in compassion for everyone and say, this is really hard. And then, you know, are they ready to talk to you? Are they really to talk to you and and to find out what's going on? This is one case where to jump in quite quickly and say, I believe you may not be the best way to go because if he has sexually assaulted someone, it may take a while for the full truth to come out. And so you might preempt that and say, listen, I I realise that your head must be spinning right now and you're afraid of the consequences. So let's just right now just slowly, slowly let me know. 
slightly let me know what's going on and let's get let's find out what the process is, let's find out what support we're going to get you, that's going to take a while. I think it's important for our kids to know that no matter what they've done, we might not like the behaviour that they've done, whether it was stealing or cheating in an exam or worse, sexual violence against another human being, but we are their parents and we will always love them and we will always stand by their side no matter what and they are safe with us. They're safe to tell us the truth because we have their best interests at heart bottom line, no matter what else happens. And when they're ready to walk through the door to let us help them, I think that's really important. But I would urge parents not to start collaborating with their children to create Mm -hmm. a story, an alibi, a victim-blaming mentality because it's going to really send some pretty terrible signals that won't help him in his life at all. And at some point, We all have to learn that none of us are perfect. We all do things we're not proud of. Hopefully it's not sexual assault. But if it does happen, our job is to grow from it, to own it, to accept what's coming to us and to grow from it as a human and to say sorry rather than to say, no, I didn't and it's your fault. That's right. So you you can be compassionate. You can say you still unconditionally love them, but you're certainly not going to take away the consequences or take away this opportunity to learn a vital message. We still love them. That's such a heavy one, but I'm almost glad it's all we've got time for this week. But next week, we're not getting that much lighter, Joe. We're into gaming. Wow, that's a huge one. As well as not taking your kids' barbs too personally. And if you like this show, please share it with your friends and tell people about it. I'm Joe Lamble. I'm Ginny Mansberg, and we'll see you next week. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.